Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. And I hope you had a great day. Only six more days until we can all unclench. We got a great show coming up for you tonight. The great Bob Seska joins us to talk all about politics. Our friend Maury Blackman comes to talk all about the polling. And all night long, we're taking your calls at 866-997-4748. Our executive producer is Chris Hauselt, running this thing from the South Carolina Bureau. Our associate producer is the mighty Thea Harper, running this thing from Brooklyn. My name's Fugelsang. I come to you from Manhattan. I think that's where I am this week. I've sort of been thousands of miles apart every week so far for the last several. It's great to be with you. Uh, And it's going to be a great show tonight. There's a lot we have to get to. There's a lot going on in the news. Let's do a show. Joe Biden gave a powerful speech tonight that most media will not carry and most Americans will not hear. But it's about saving democracy. My point of view is a little controversial. I, I, I don't think democracy needs to be saved. I, I think we should try it out. Um, I, I think one person, one vote is a great concept. Um, one person, one electoral college, not so much. We're going to be talking a lot about democracy for the next week. And there's so many reasons why democracy, flawed as it is, is by far the best system we've got as humans. Democracy reduces wars democracy increases civic engagement because it it gives citizens a chance to become involved personally with their own governance. It gradually, gradually, gradually promotes equality, certainly not fast enough in this country. It mostly, mostly ensures a smooth transition of power. There's lots of reasons why democracy is better than all the systems we're hearing. And democracy is much better than a fake democracy where the game is rigged for one party rule. Joe Biden gave a dark warning tonight in this speech at Union Station, the train station in Washington, D.C. And he explained how the future of the American democracy as we know it is on the ballot next week. He talked about certain extreme MAGA Republicans who he said have intentions to subvert the electoral system itself. And he also touched on the violence we've been seeing. Now, did you know this? There's an article in the LA Times to this effect, but leading up to the assassination attempt on Nancy Pelosi in her home last week, where her 82-year-old husband had his skull bashed in with a hammer by a right-wing person who is heavily influenced by Donald Trump. 
Those are just the facts. And we know those are the facts because the police have told us because the guy confessed it all. Leading up to this attack, the Republican Party and its various dark money groups spent over $50 million on Nancy anti-Nancy Pelosi ads alone. They put about $50 million into this campaign cycle, either condemning her or demonizing Nancy Pelosi. In 2020, they spent $45 million nationwide for ads featuring anti-Pelosi references and house races. This year, they topped it. You know, they have a long history of singling out the most powerful woman in Congress, the most powerful woman in the history of Congress, the longest serving Republican speaker of the House is a child molester convicted. But Nancy Pelosi is the one they don't like. And of course, as they deny the results of the 2020 election, which Donald Trump's Homeland Security chief said was valid, which Donald Trump's secretary of uh, state said was valid, which Donald Trump's attorney general and his own daughter (laughs) said were valid. And then, of course, all the conspiracy theories, all of this, this swamp, this disgusting hatred passing a civic engagement, all of it contributed to the brutal attack that hospitalized 82-year-old Paul Pelosi the other day. Here's Joe Biden in tonight's speech on the assassination attempt of Pelosi. To take her hostage, to interrogate her, to threaten to break her kneecaps. But she wasn't there. Her husband, my friend Paul Pelosi, was home alone. The assailant tried to take Paul hostage. He woke him up. He wanted to tie him up. The assailant ended up using a hammer to smash Paul's skull. Thankfully, by the grace of God, Paul survived. All this happened after the assault. And it just, it's hard to even say. It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th, when they broke windows kicked in the doors, brutally attacked law enforcement, roamed the corridors, hunting for officials, and erected gallows to hang the former vice president, Mike Pence. It was an enraged mob. So think about all the lies we've heard about this, right? Think about all the jokes we've heard. A lot of money has been spent to make all this happen. A lot of money went towards smacking an 82-year-old man in the head with a hammer. On the day of the attack, October 28th, Nancy Pelosi was featured in nearly $1.3 million worth of ads. 97 spots that collectively aired on TVs more than 3,000 times that day. They weren't all in Northern California. People were running against her in districts across the country. And of course, none of the ads condone violence, but a whole lot of them use wartime violent rhetoric to show Pelosi is the enemy you have to fight. Um, there's the one about how Pelosi's failed policies are destroying the American dream. The one that says uh, her agenda is radical. The one that calls for strength to fight Biden, Pelosi and the woke mob. The one that says Pelosi has declared war on working Americans. And so many of them are touting how tough the Republicans are at taking on Nancy rather than weak people who won't fight her. Last year, Kevin McCarthy joked at a fundraiser in Tennessee that if he succeeds Pelosi as House Speaker and she turns over the ceremonial gavel, he said it'll be hard not to hit her with it. That doughy mediocrity. And here's the deal. What have we seen since the attack? There's no reckoning or humility. 
All they can do is lie and deflect. All they can do is lie and deflect. First was the gay lover lie. Uh, the disgusting, bloated, pustule of a human that used to be President Donald Trump spread this one over the weekend. And his son did as well. That, oh, both men were in their underwear. It was a gay tryst gone wrong. We later found out every word that that was a lie. The guy who just bought Twitter, speaking of petulant child men, he spread that as well. He, the champion of free speech, showed exactly what kind of free speech he means. Fucking lies that make shitty people feel better. The assailant broke into the house. He smashed a glass door with a hammer and then attacked an 82-year-old man. He's a right-winger. He was influenced by all the ads we heard. We know it's true because he confessed it to the police. And then they made it about illegal immigrants. They, they, they couldn't face a reckoning then. Okay, well, we've been proved to be heartless, and now we're making the gay sex lie. So, so now, you know what? Let's make it about illegal immigration. Now, this would have been great. A smart media culture would have said, wow, great, you're going after an illegal immigrant who's white. Because as you guys know, the majority of undocumented immigrants aren't here because they crossed our border illegally. The overwhelming majority of what shitty people call illegals are here because they overstayed their visas. Just like this case. And I'd love to have a national dialogue on that, but no, we're not going to have it. It's the open border policy of Democrats that caused it. I'm, and then you got Carrie Lake making a joke about it. She's already denying that she ever made this comment in a Q&A fundraising event. She, she came out tonight and said that the media edited the tape together to make it sound like she was saying something bad. Let's play the clip in its entirety. Carrie Lake <laughs> is famous because she's media. I met her at her job at the Fox affiliate in Phoenix. She's literally accusing her colleagues of something her colleagues know they didn't do, and they know she's lying about. Here is the exact comment Carrie Lake made. It is not impossible to protect our kids at school. They act like it is. Nancy Pelosi, well, she's got protection when she's in D.C. Apparently her house doesn't have a lot of protection. <laughs> but... And again, she denied it. She said it's editing, that it was edited to make her look bad. Look, we're not we're not dealing with rational, decent humans. We're dealing with rancid child men. And can I just say it's kind of gross. They're still running these anti Pelosi ads like after someone tried to murder her in her home. All right. Joe Biden's speech. Let me get back to that. He moved on to the election deniers. There are right now in our democracy about 308 Republican candidates for federal office or statewide office next week that are election deniers, according to CBS News. There's only two states that don't have someone pushing Donald Trump's lie on their ballot. Those two states are Rhode Island and North Dakota. You go, guys. Now, it's not surprising that they're pushing this lie. And that's not the problem that they're pushing the lie. The problem with the election deniers isn't that they're spreading a lie to get Donald Trump supporters to like them. It's that they're trying to rig elections off the lie. Here's Joe Biden on the election deniers of 2020. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And I want to be very clear, this is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about what makes America, America. It's about the durability of our democracy. For democracies are more than a form of government. They're a way of being, a way of seeing the world, a way that defines who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do, 
Democracy is simply that fundamental. We must, in this moment, dig deep within ourselves and recognize that we can't take democracy for granted any longer. Now, who should we be scared of running for office in terms of election deniers? People running for governor and secretaries of state, like Doug Mastriano and Carrie Lake. Mastriano in Pennsylvania, he, he really tried to help Donald Trump overturn Biden's win and throw out the votes of citizens in his own state in 2020. Carrie Lake came out and said the quiet part out loud. She said she would not have certified Joe Biden's victory in the state of Arizona. Those were the two states. Never forget. We had over 100 congressmen vote to throw out the votes legally cast by American citizens in predominantly non-white districts in Pennsylvania and Arizona. There's also Mark Fincham, who's the nominee for Secretary of State in Arizona. He was a part of the Oath Keepers. Jim Marchant, the GOP nominee for Secretary of State in Nevada. He works with QAnon people. These people have fully embraced Trump's lies about the election being stolen, but that's not the problem. The problem is... What's more dangerous than an election denier? Putting election deniers in charge of future elections. Jamie Raskin said that's like putting a mob boss in charge of the police. Here's Joe Biden talking about Trump himself from tonight's speech. You know, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. He refuses to accept the will of the people. He refuses to accept the fact that he lost. He has abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party. So Trump's doing it. Don't forget, he heavily pressured different secretaries of state to try to flip states Biden won. And God bless those Republican officials who completely refused to do it because they had one foot in reality still. But I mean, Mastriano, he's probably going to lose. But the other ones could all win. Here's Joe Biden on democracy one last time. We must vote knowing who we have been, what we're at risk of becoming. Look, my fellow Americans, the old expression, freedom is not free. It requires constant vigilance. From the very beginning, Nothing has been guaranteed about democracy in America. Every generation has had to defend it, protect it, preserve it, choose it. For that's what democracy is. It's a choice, a decision of the people, by the people, and for the people. The issue couldn't be clearer in my view. We, the people, must decide whether we'll have fair and free elections and every vote counts. We, the people, must decide whether we're going to sustain a republic where reality is accepted, the law is obeyed, and your vote is truly sacred. We, the people, must decide whether the rule of law will prevail, whether we'll allow the dark forces to thirst, that thirst for power, put ahead of the principles that we've long guided us. He's right. So, look, we wanted to bring you a lot of that speech because the mainstream media is not going to cover it. And most Americans are never going to know their president gave a speech about democracy tonight. But Biden was right. Democracy is a choice like inflation. We have to vote. The politicians aren't going to save us. Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and Liz Warren and Barack Obama 
Elena Kagan, Katanji Brown Jackson, the ghost of Paul Wellstone, they're not going to save us. Jesus and Batman and Gandhi and the Black Panther aren't going to save us. We can only save ourselves. We can only do it if there's a huge turnout. So please vote. Vote as if the person you love needs surgery. Vote like you're not white. Vote like you're not straight. Vote like clean drinking water for children you like depends on it. Vote like there are crazy people who can easily buy guns designed to kill lots of humans really fast in your town. Vote like your mom and dad are immigrants. Vote like your child is transgender. Hubert Humphrey said it. Compassion is not weakness, and concern for the unfortunate is not socialism. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I'm so glad that Bob Seska's here at a time like this when everyone's being talked off the ledge or needing to be talked off the ledge or trying to talk me off a ledge. Bob hosts the Bob Seska Show. I'm a fan of his from his appearances on Stephanie Miller, his great columns. We are always blessed on a Wednesday to have the smartest and tallest guy in the room join us. Hello, Mr. Seska. John, that was a master class in how to put down a ridiculous argument about questioning elections. I, I just a master have to say, that in, was incredible. It was a, a master class in being too hot on my mic during it. Chris, Chris was lecturing. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> leave that to the production booth, as they say. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I honestly, I can't lose patience with it, but I, I have lost patience that you can mm. look at dead cops, uh, that, that you can just deny that, 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 that this woman died for Donald Trump's lie. That Ashley yeah, Babbage, yeah. she's not a martyr. She was a sucker. She was a sacrificial cannon fodder for this turgid monstrosity. And mm. I mean, Hillary Clinton doesn't have an entire political party held hostage unless they go along with her lie. The comparisons are ludicrous. You had a great point about this, Mr. Seska. Yeah, I mean, I've questioned elections. I questioned the 2000 election, I think, with good damn reason. The difference yeah. is that uh, Al Gore didn't get a, you know, a, a citizen militia to invade and occupy Congress when he lost. He conceded, as you made the point earlier, Hillary Clinton conceded the next day, day one of the transition. Hillary Clinton conceded to Donald Trump. She attended his inauguration. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. You're never going to find any member of Democratic leadership taking any action to overturn an election, to fabricate evidence in the endeavor of overturning an election, it's just not. There's no equivalence whatsoever. And if you mention, oh well, the insurrection that was, 
or the the Capitol riot or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, earlier the, the previous summer, they were just they were burning down cities. Yeah, you know what? There's a huge difference between invading and occupying the Capitol building and throwing a brick through the window of a Chipotle. Thank Let's you. be honest here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, no matter how, well, but you also, try also, to draw but, but that e- false even more than it that, just doesn't fly. Thank you, because the BLM protests make me crazy. Number one, the Black Lives Matter protests were 26 million people across the globe, overwhelmingly nonviolent. The people who committed violence were not there because they cared about George Floyd. They were douchebags. And we've already learned in many cases they were Republican operatives trying to smear the whole movement. But even more than that. Black Lives Matter protests for George Floyd were there because a man was murdered on camera and we all saw it and people were sick of it. The Capitol attack was for a goddamn lie. Like, like, Mm -hmm. I'm happy to compare the two because morally they don't occupy the same solar system to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was always a trend. There was always a thing with the presidency, John, that if you lost an election, if you lost a presidential election, you don't want to be the sore loser who continues to relitigate it, relitigate it, and never gives up. It never concedes. That was never a thing. Never once was that a thing until Donald Trump. And by overturning the peaceful transfer of power the way he did, by trying to obstruct that with every means that he had at his disposal, at his disposal, minus using the military to arrest government officials and arrest government officials. He may have considered that, but we know he did for the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, I mean, he almost he walked right up to that line. And if it hadn't been for better people in the Pentagon, maybe he would have done that. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is that he pulled out all the stops. He tried everything he could possibly do to stop that inauguration from happening. And he continues to do it. He's running again. You know, you have to boil it down, too, to basic character, John. I mean, we've been raised. (laughs) uh, There have been generations of people raised around the world with the notion that being a sore loser is wrong. It is bad when you lose, no matter what the circumstances are, you walk away, you walk away a a good loser or walk walk away away with dignity or or, or walk away like a whiny little bitch. But don't lie about it and send people off to fight your battles for you. I mean, my God, what is this, Vietnam? (laughs) Why Mm -hmm. these Confederate (laughs) plantation owners are always the ones sending poor conservative white dupes off to fight their battles for them. And that's what January 6th was, a continuation of the same Mm -hmm. bullshit effort. That's I mean, absolutely right. Uh, It goes to show that our loved ones in the right wing bubble. They have an alternate set of facts, and we know this. I mean, you can go all day long in the right-wing bubble and believe that the Democrats hatched a plot, Bob, to steal the presidency. Losing seats in the House and and not knowing for a month if they won the Senate or not. That was the evil plot. of, like Just like you can go and believe that Paul Pelosi was naked and having a fling with the man who confessed that he broke into their house to kill Nancy Pelosi. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and that exists in the minds of people because they want to believe it and the people they trust give them permission to believe it. And I want to be clear about something else, John, too, that this question as to, well, you know, uh, Republicans are questioning the election and so did Democrats and blah, 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 gets us completely off track with the point that is very uh, clear if we remember our recent history. And I know a lot of people have a short attention span and an even a shorter term memory. But leading up to the 2020 election, it was really Donald Trump 
who was trying to manipulate that election, who was who was committing election fraud, not yes. only during the transition by asking Georgia for 11,000 votes, exactly the number of votes that he needed to tip the balance there and get all the electoral votes from Georgia, but mm -hmm. going all the way back to the extortion of Ukraine in order to get Zelensky to investigate Burisma and therefore uh, give the patina of wrongdoing to the Joe Biden campaign, to smear Joe Biden, to cripple uh, Donald Trump's would-be opponent in that election. That That's started right. it. The, the, the horrible reaction to COVID was also part of it. The undermining of the United States Postal Service to slow down the mail, that was part of it too. All of this crapola about the transition and the insurrection, that's all great to litigate and to talk about and to record in history. But we can't forget what led up to the 2020 election and how of all the people involved in that election, Donald Trump committed the most glaring election fraud of all of them. And he's yet to be held accountable other than losing the election. And, you know, the flip side to that is no one cares. Only we care. <laughs> yeah. If we are to believe the media, no one's going to show up and vote. This is America, and things always have to get worse before they get better. We only see Democrats win elections after Republicans fuck everything up. I mean, my whole life, Bob, I've only seen Democrats win after Republicans fuck everything up. So mm. we're right back to the same place we find ourselves in so many elections. The majority stays home, and everyone else thinks, well, the fire department left a few spots burning, so I'm going to vote for the arsonists again. I mean, right. they have to flood the zone with bullshit, with rumor about Paul Pelosi, and they don't mind because the more we're talking about how the Republicans lied, the more we're talking about how they 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 push this disinformation and they dupe their own. We're going to do all that. We're not talking policy, because when you talk policy is when you find out a the Republicans don't have any b the policies they do have are deeply unpopular with the American voters. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the other thing, too, John, is the Steve Bannon strategy of flooding the zone actually works. It does. They figured out that if you do enough horrible things, the capacity for human beings to remember all of those horrible things, as the horrible things stack up, the capacity to remember all of them goes down. You know, you can't yeah. you can't keep track of all as we talked about for the entire four years of the Trump administration. How is a the fire fuck, hose fatigue. of news constantly? Mm -hmm. And so. As a consequence of that, you, it, it's no wonder people don't remember Zelensky, the first impeachable offense that Donald Trump committed and who was and, and was impeached for. Yeah. That, that falls no down the remembers. memory hole. They USPS what it was falls down the memory hole. I mean, in fairness, Bob, it was like two and a half years ago. I mean, that, that's, you know, like <laughs> that's two Kardashian way marriages, back right? Then. <laughs> but, yeah. and, and again, it wasn't even so much about Zelensky. It was Donald Trump was blackmailing someone. Mm -hmm. Because they wouldn't help him in a lie. You know, yeah. people still don't understand. Wouldn't help Zelensky, him win the election. But no, wouldn't help him lie about Joe Biden. Donald Trump was impeached yeah. twice and both times because he tried to cheat to win 2020. Right. He, he literally withheld this authorized arms shipment to Ukraine unless Zelensky agreed to make an announcement about an investigation of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Not to have an investigation, to make an announcement. Zelensky was scheduled to appear on CNN that morning to announce the investigation and when the story broke about the whistleblower Zelensky canceled his CNN appearance like mm. when has a head of state ever announced an investigation by going on another country's media to do it the whole yeah. thing was what he did when he punished the reporter 
who wouldn't uh, who the disabled reporter. Trump mocked that guy because he wouldn't back up Trump's lie about Muslims dancing on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Donald Trump is very easy to forecast. He's very easy to predict. He does the same thing every time. In fact, what he did with Zelensky and Burisma in Ukraine is exactly what he did with Jeff Clark and the DOJ. He wanted Jeffrey Clark to become attorney general so that they could announce a DOJ investigation into the election, which Bill Barr resisted and had to resign over. And then Jeff Clark was supposed to come in and do that and just offer the patina of an investigation just to give it enough. Because uh, Donald Trump, what did he say? It was either about the Jeff Clark situation or about the Burisma situation or both in which Donald Trump said, you just announced the thing. I'll take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. I'll do the I'll expand from there. All I need is that spark, and I can turn that into a four-alarm blaze. <laughs> you know, just leave it to me. Bob, on the bright side, <laughs> isn't Twitter awesome these days? Isn't Twitter better than ever? Isn't it yes. great now? We, we have free speech it's, again on Twitter, Bob. It's like, remember when we, were, when we weren't allowed to say Merry Christmas all those years, but then finally they took the gun out of our mouth and we could say Merry Christmas again? Free speech is back on Twitter. It might cost eight bucks a month, but th- that's how much free speech costs, apparently. Yeah, and you know how similar Elon Musk is to Donald Trump? Elon Deep Musk deep. has managed to concoct a business model to, to at least try to monetize Twitter that's actually kind of worse than Trump stakes. I mean, and and Trump steaks was pretty bad. Donald Trump tried to sell beef in sharper image mall stores next to the vibrators. That's exactly that's exactly how bad that idea was. Elon Musk has decided to take something that had a very specific safety purpose, a very specific uh, uh, function to push back against imposter accounts, fraud, Mm -hmm. And other sorts of things. And I'm talking about the verification badge, which, full disclosure, we we both have one of those things. We both have a blue check next to our name on Twitter. But uh, speaking for myself, it was only because I applied for one. I happened to find the page one day, applied for it, submitted everything from my driver's license to, I think, colon x-rays to prove wow. who I was. Really? And then was approved for that because as public figures were open to spoofing and imposter accounts and fraud. And and by fraud, what I mean is when and if we lose our blue checks, John, someone can very easily say, oh, look, John Fugelsang has started a GoFundMe account. And here's his here's a, you know, in parentheses, Bob, quote, a I, fake I, John Fugelsang account. And you can go and donate to this GoFundMe account that John Fugelsang started, but it's not really John Fugelsang. And then suddenly you're looped into some sort of next level chaos and scandal and fraud with some troll who's decided to impersonate you on Twitter. You're right. I I have a that's what happens without blue checks. I have a blue check mark uh, on Facebook and it has been hacked and pumping out horrible videos under my name and picture and blue check mark for 17 months today today's my anniversary and all i get from facebook are bots and prayers yeah this is the system and today we find out elon musk has decided the real way of the future is to turn twitter into OnlyFans, and now he wants to be able to have paid (laughs) for adult con there's already porn all over twitter but they want to have Mm -hmm. paid for porn content i mean is this what happens when a guy buys all the stock and there's no more shareholders and how is the company going to grow He just, you know what, again, very much like Donald Trump, keeps making things worse for himself. 
It was a dumb move to pay $44 billion for something that's probably worth about $10 billion. So Elon Musk not only bought high, but bought at four times the amount that the the actual company was worth. And then he's going to end up having to sell low because he's he's turning Twitter into his own version of 8chan. I mean, that's essentially what it's going to devolve into. And I'm intending to ride the rubble down, John. I'm going to stick around uh, on Twitter and and follow the disintegration of this platform that for all of its flaws, I've spent most of my days since I first signed up lurking around and posting on. And and it's it's been great. It's been frustrating at the same time. But what he's doing is he's almost deliberately ruining. It's almost like a Brewster's Millions producers kind of thing. I agree. Going on. I agree. It, it, it'll it'll last a little longer. It'll 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 be around for a couple of years. But yeah, it's it's going to get worse and worse. And the guy showed his idea of free speech when he posted a link to the Santa Monica Observer. His idea of free speech oh, yeah. is racists welcome home. Before yep. I let you go, Mr. Seska, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your feelings about the midterms coming up on Tuesday. Um, the media has decided how bad it is and the gaslighting's in full effect. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't really see what's going to change other than you'll get a Republican Congress that will continue to block everything Biden tries to do. And the Republican Congress will do nothing for the white people that vote for it. Yeah. You know what? I'm not so sure about that Republican Congress thing, John. I think the polls are showing that and it very, very much. Well, it could very well turn out to be that way. We could end up with a Republican Congress. However, I think some of the early voting numbers that are coming out, plus some of the special elections leading up to all of this Mm -hmm. are showing a different scenario. I think we've entered into a new paradigm where this business of the party in power losing seats uh, during a midterm, I think that may be an anachronistic uh, template for our midterms going forward, because I, I get the sense that the Democrats have, to use an overused cliche, the eye of the tiger going into this. I think we understand the stakes of this. I think we're more energized, more energized than what the polls are showing, because what we're seeing is a vast overperformance in the early vote versus 2020 and 2018 where the Republicans are vastly underperforming as opposed to 2020 and 2018. So that's all a positive sign. And you can't deny, as I was saying before, the special election outcomes with Kansas and the New York 18th and all of those races, you know, surprising us with uh, big Democratic victories. So I'm feeling pretty optimistic still. Yeah, I know the Republicans are doing well with people who pick up the phone when pollsters call. That's what I know. (laughs) Mr. Seska, how do our listeners follow you and keep up with all your work? Please sign up for my Patreon page. If you like my podcast, go to my Patreon page. That's that's what I do. uh, BobSeskaShow.com. And thank you for doing that. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Quick break. When we come back, Maury Blackman, the CEO of Premise Data, a global on-demand data insight company, to talk a bit about polling, the good, the bad, and the surprising. Our number is 866-997-4748. Back in two. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Maury Blackman uh, is back on our show. He is, of course, a, a serial entrepreneur who's led high-growth tech companies for more than 25 years. Right now, Maury is the CEO of Premise Data, a global on-demand data insight company. We talk so much about polling, and uh, it's good to talk to someone on the inside who understands it a bit better than my tiny public school mind. He also hosts the Great Minds Think Data podcast. Mr. Maury Blackman, welcome back to SiriusXM. Thank you for having me, John. Thank you. How, how's it going? Just kind of kind of chill, right? It's just a very mellow time of year for all of us, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I was I was just thinking I can't wait to start paying attention to the sports again. Now, pardon me, but I think sports, maybe sports and film are the, are the only areas where you can always take refuge from the political season. I mean, we just had a, you know, we, we're having the World Series and we're, we're, you know, football's happening again. Is it really, is it so dense in politics for you right now that you can't even enjoy sports? You know, John, I just can't get away from it. I'm originally from Houston, so I should have my eyes glued to the World Series right now. But I'm, you know, I I think the Phillies are actually ahead. So once, uh, you know, once the dust dust settles, maybe I'll uh, be able to pay attention a little bit more. Uh, It's so true. And you know what? Like, it's always true. I always wait until Christmas break and then I catch up on all the 400 movies I haven't had time to watch because I'm all neck deep in this Michigas. Look, obviously, the the polling is what the polling is. And I want to talk about that. But the last time you were on the show, as you'll recall, we talked about how dominant Trump's standing was with likely Republican voters. And I, I wanted to start off by asking, has has that held? Uh, everyone thinks he's going to announce a run for president as soon as these midterms are over. Is his popularity as strong as it's ever been? Well, it's actually tapered off quite a bit over the past few months. And, you know, we have a tracking poll where we've been following this. And as of late, his lead over DeSantis has shrunk considerably. So back when I was on the show the last time, he was absolutely crushing DeSantis and the rest of the Republican field. He was a he held a 65 to 15 percent margin over DeSantis with Mike Pence and the rest of the field coming in in the you know low single digits. As we sit here today, our tracking poll showing that that lead has shrunk significantly. John, it's down to 44-30. Um, wow. With in in the rest of the field has kind of stayed the same. So mm-hmm. what that tells 1%, you 1% is that for a lot else. of the things that DeSantis has been um, doing the past few months has actually netted him some pretty good results in the polls. And and in fairness, uh, a lot of that is people, you know, having the same trouble as usual with the Trump brand. There's always going to be Republican brothers and sisters who are not going to get on this train. And as we've seen the investigations pile up, the January 6th hearings were extremely compelling. Uh, We're seeing more and more acts of criminality being investigated. I mean, I I think we can look for this sort of race between Trump and DeSantis to continue and, and probably really heat up next year. We're already getting the whisper campaigns from both against the other. Well, really interesting. I chatted with Newt Gingrich last week, and one of the things that he pointed out was that Trump has an exceptionally passionate base. 
But what Gingrich pointed out is that Trump has not used the last couple of years to really expand his policy, exactly. to really lead the party. He, he's talking about the past. And in American politics, the past never sells. It's always about the future. So unless Trump can figure out a way to kind of change his own personal narrative, he runs the risk of looking like the past, whereas DeSantis could look like the future. That's Gingrich's opinion. One of the things that I said on the last show is I do believe that um, Americans want to win, including Republicans. So when they look at Trump, he's already lost. So I, I think that's impacting people's psyche. Well, also, you know, let, let's go back 15 years. Uh, I had never seen more rapidly loyal partisans than George W. Bush defenders. I mean, when the Iraq war and there were no WMDs and people were, were defending him more than ever. And, and then Donald Trump came along and told the Republican base everything liberals had said about the Iraq war being built on lies. And almost overnight, Maury, right-wing people cut Bush loose. Bush and Cheney wouldn't be welcome at a Republican convention right now. Is there reason to believe that should DeSantis have some shrewd machinations, we could see the same cutting loose of Trump by the faithful, the way Trump got them to cut their previous president loose? Without doubt, because I think they want to win. And so if they believe that DeSantis has a better chance of, of winning the presidency, they'll throw their lot behind him. I also think that in that election, one of the things that Trump benefited from is if you go all the way back to Ronald Reagan, there was someone named Bush or Clinton kind of around the White House. You know, Obama didn't have a, a, a Clinton. You know, Hillary Clinton was his secretary of state, but she was yep. still very powerful. Or so I think Dole. there was go, kind of go back to Bush Nixon and it, go back to go back to Nixon and it's Dole. I mean, Dole, Bush and Correct. Clinton just dominated the two party system for most of my Correct. life. Yeah. Correct. But I, I think that, you know, the net net here, when we look at this ne next this upcoming midterm, I, I think what the good news for Democrats is that likely voters are still split. They're still split on who they want to control Congress. It's pretty much even there. The, the bad news for them is the two issues that Americans seem to be caring the most about um, inflation, the economy. I'm lumping those all together sure. and also crime. Republicans are polling with voters as being the more likely um, the mo more likely candidates, the more likely party to basically solve those issues for them. So that that's really the tough part. I know. I know. Uh, oh, layers and layers and layers of irony. As you know, Maury, the consensus uh, is, is pretty solid in the media culture around the idea that the GOP is going to win back control of the House and the Democrats have a very good shot at keeping their Senate majority. I mean, is there a case to be made that Democrats might still keep the House? The, the early voting numbers are very, very high. I think that, you know, in our polling, what we see is that that it's almost like the House is a foregone conclusion to go over to Republican control. The Senate is still up in the air. You have a number of races that are very, very tight. Um, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, um, Nevada, those are all very tight races where it could go either way. And so there's a case to be made that, you know, we could have a divided Congress, which wouldn't be the end of the world for the Biden agenda, because for a certain extent, this is where we are today. Yeah. I mean, whether people want to admit it or not, Congress is divided. I mean, Joe Manchin Congress, and Christian yeah. Sinema have thrown a monkey wrench into much of the things exactly. that the administration has tried to achieve. There's the irony, right? Joe Biden ran saying he was the one guy who could negotiate with the Republicans. He spent two years trying to negotiate with two Democrats. The Republicans right. were telling their donors to fund. But with all the all the funding and all the money we've seen, I mean, obviously, we usually see very big victory gains in midterms for the party out of power. 
I mean, what are you seeing in terms of the range of Republican House seats that could be gained next week? Well, it could be as as few as 25 and as many as 40. It's really hard to get, you know, for a pollster, one of the one of the challenges is really getting accurate data at the local level. Yeah. It's pretty easy to poll nationally because you get a sample size and the methodologies are, are really firm in place. But when you get down to the local level and you're dependent on getting a smaller, a, you're, you're basically have a smaller population that you're polling from to get that statistically relevant data, it, mm-hmm. it gets very difficult. So it's very hard for all of us to kind of, we look at the fringe elections and try to anal- and try to do an analysis of those. Can I ask about redistricting? Um, sure. Because we've seen, you know, leading up, we've seen Democrats had some gerrymanders in New York and Maryland, and those all got thrown out by state courts. Uh, Ron DeSantis's big gerrymander in Florida, which essentially gets rid of the largest black voting district and divides it up into four majority white voting districts. That one got upheld. I mean, how is redistricting in your data changing the map and some of the opportunities for the parties? Well, I, I think what we see around the redistricting is, it, it, again, it's very difficult. And I, I think this is one of the one of the issues that we have in the polling industry is that as we get down to those to the local level, it gets very difficult to get a proper sample size to to have an accurate count. So when we look at those when we look at those races where they've done the redistricting, you know, what we're really looking at is the demographic profile and how exactly. that plays out. And it you know, it it's basically having the desired impact that both parties are looking for. So how do the seats that profile as as Republican or at least will be Republican gains? What kind of specific demographic profile do they meet? I well, mean, are they in specific areas or? Yeah, it, it, well, the Democrat, you know, the the Republican profile for their voters, you know, it ranges from, you know, you have a lot of working class white males that are the typical Trump voters in the Republican side, it, it still goes back to the minority votes. They're, they're still very strong on both ends. What we're seeing in the Latino vote is a little bit of a split where mm-hmm. their values seem to be changing and shifting more towards the Republican end, which is a threat to the Democratic base. Of course. Of course, these people hate me, but I agree with them on the issues. I, I, I get how that works. Obviously, Democrats are having to pump money into districts that Joe Biden easily carried two years ago. Is it the absence of a villain here that's hurting the Democrats? I mean, we were discussing earlier on the show in my lifetime, I've only seen Democrats win after Republicans have, uh, well, let's just say not done well, at least in the White House. Jimmy Carter got in because of Watergate. Uh, Bill Clinton got in because 12 years of trickle-down failed. Obama got in because of Bush. We know why Biden's there. Do Democrats need to have the bus crash to sell themselves as being the people to get it out of the ditch? Well, I think the challenge that they have in this election is, number one, they're battling history. You know, history never smiles um, favorably on the party in power. It's just... You know, it's just the fact. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. That's that's yeah. always a challenge. Mm-hmm. But the issue that we have here with the Democrats is that Biden has a very low approval rating. It's kind of hovering around 35 percent on top of it. And I think this is the biggest issue the Democrats have is only 18 percent of the country. 18 percent, John, believe that the country is headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty tough thing to overcome right now. Um, I think that Democrats just need to have a more positive message. They need to 
they need to get it's it's I'm always an optimist. It's never too late. It's never too late to address these big issues of the economy and crime it, in the last few days of the election. It right. one of the things that we see is that people are still relatively undecided, believe it or not. I mean, there's I still pretty significant undecided vote out there that could swing the election either way. Well, it isn't a factor there that while Joe Biden might not be polling well, his positions are polling well. I mean, we forget easily that Democrats have won the majority vote of the American people in seven of the last eight presidential elections. And the overwhelming majority of Americans support federal decriminalization of cannabis. They support women's reproductive freedoms. They support Medicare being able to negotiate for lower drug prices. They support uh, Medicare being able to cover vision, hearing and dental. I mean, despite Biden's unpopulars, the actual causes he fights for generally, even student loan debt tend to be popular among the voters. I totally agree. But since, you know, I, I threw out Newt Gingrich earlier in the show here, and, and since I yes. just got off an interview with him, I can pretend that I'm Newt and I'm, you know, I'm basically taking up his position and what he would tell you. What he would say is that the politics of life in this election are overwhelming. And what people see on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. whether it's the price of gas, the price of food, crime in their neighborhoods, those are overwhelming people. And those kind of, you know, in the Maslow hierarchy of needs, you know, I need air and water to survive. He would argue with us that, hey, these are the fundamentals of society. This is the fundamental of of America. And we have to address these issues. And then climate change, reproductive rights, all these things kind of take second tier to that. And I would argue with him, well, you know, you want to fight crime by getting more guns on the streets and you want to fight inflation by making the rich richer. But of course, that would be me and that wouldn't be appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that yeah, that's a point of view. I mean, well, definitely no, but, but, but I mean, in terms of like, like they're, they're good that, at you know, analyzing the obviously uh, many people agree with. Yes. And, and they're very good at analyzing the problem. It's just in terms of the platform offering solutions, because in, in many ways, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that they think that, you know, considering how bad inflation is and that it's Biden's first term and that inflation is bad over the globe, that it's a miracle, you know, considering two years with a completely divided Senate and nonstop full bore Republican obstruction. It's miraculous the Democrats have gotten as much done as they have. And it's uh, amazing that the numbers aren't even worse. Well, I think that one of the challenges, you know, for example, today, you know, in, in and you really feel for the administration from this standpoint, because they're fighting an uphill battle almost on a day to day basis. Yeah. You know, today, the announcement from Jerome Powell about the Fed and raising rates and his outlook for the future just doesn't bode well for people's overall psyche, their morale, yeah. the way they feel about things. And, you know, we're going to do some polling around that and and see exactly how the Fed's decisions are impacting people and they're thinking about the economy, the government, the administration, and, and what's going on in that area. Because I think it does impact people's thinking. I think you're right. I mean, very, very much so. And you know, I want to ask, I know that you just talked to Gingrich, but you also interviewed Larry Summers recently, right? Correct. Um, how does Larry Summers feel about inflation? Well, you know, Larry was one of the first people to come out and he wrote an opinion piece in the Washington Post, you know, back at the beginning of the administration. And what he was warning against is that the, um, you know, the when, when we were putting forward the American Rescue Plan, his warning was, is, hey, we're going to be pumping so much money into the system, the bathtub might overflow. 
And when he looks back at it, he says, hey, I was I, actually I was right. And the bathtub did overflow because we put too much money into people's pockets without proper investment. So Larry's outlook moving forward is he's very much in favor of the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm. He feels like that is a tremendous step in the right direction because it invests in infrastructure, invests in right. climate change, and invests right. in all these these issues that we feel are very important to, to America and to the world. And so from that standpoint, he was very bullish. I think that he was very critical of the administration's first steps, but he's warming up to it um, moving forward. Well, you know, I have some jokes about Larry Summers, but they're all pretty derivative. Um, well, you are a comic. <laughs> uh, l- let me ask you uh, about the basics of, of the kind of polling we're talking about. Telephone polls? Polls by phone? Well, the way the way that we have a a, uh, a group of what we call contributors, and, and they are basically gig workers who we communicate with on a day-to-day basis. And they do do polling, but they do other things for us as well. They collect data. So we're doing everything over mobile phones. So there isn't calling, pe- there isn't any of the calling people on the phone or standing out in front of you know a uh, a business asking people a few questions. It's all just done on a mobile phone where we build relationships with people, almost like these these bigger polling industries do around panels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, when we but when we talk about them, like, are we? I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. We're not just talking landlines. I mean, we're talking about cell phones. We're talking about you know different ways to reach people as broadly as possible, right? Yeah. So you know the the impact, John, is you can download the Premise app, and when you log into it, we're going to ask you for some basic information, some demographic information about yourself, right? On. And then you're going to give us some banking information because we actually pay you for for your right. for your time and then at the end of that you can log into a marketplace where we have what we call tasks some of those tasks are surveys some of those are go out to stores and collect data on behalf of our clients you know the surveys are easy you can sit on the couch and answer them that's brilliant so i mean l- let me ask then more because you have a perspective none of us have i mean you're following these elections very closely which race to you is is the most interesting from your perspective is there one that's really caught your excitement or your fascination? Well, I, I'm I'm totally fascinated by the Georgia election because I think it's basically going to tilt the outcome one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's it's a tough race for Warnock, in my opinion, in mm-hmm. spite of all Herschel Walker's issues. Um, Warnock has a he has a tough road because he has almost every Republican voter in the state of Georgia, which is pretty evenly split, is going to vote for Herschel Walker. But Warnock has a tougher a tougher dynamic here because at least a certain percentage of the African African Americans are going to vote are going to vote his his way because yeah. of his celebrity status. And you know, I, wait, I think wait, African Americans are going to vote Herschel. I'm sorry, African Americans vote Herschel Walker because of his celebrity status. I, I think they will. That's just my sense. Mm, um, let, let, I may let's be talk wrong. about that. I, I mean, let, you know, yeah, I'm, I, I'm very I'm curious about that one. This is what I do. Right on, right on. See, I'm, I know that was the intent of the of the Georgia GOP. Um, it'll be very interesting seeing if that's the case. Are, are there any sleepers? Let, let me ask you a question, John. Please. Do you not think that at least a small percentage of the African-Americans are going to vote for Herschel Walker? He's a two-time Heisman yeah, Trophy winner. Small. He's a hero yeah. in many people's minds. I think minds. a very, very small, very small percentage of the majority of registered black voters in Georgia are registered Democrat anyway. I don't think they're going to abandon 
belief in being pro-choice. I don't think they're going to embrace the party that is gutting the Voting Rights Act and trying to make it harder to vote. I I don't think registered Democratic voters who are African-American in Georgia are going to be distracted by a shiny thing. I, I, I well, don't this, think this is why some. It's one of the most fascinating races in my mind. Because I agree with in, you. But I, in traditional politics, Herschel Walker would want to run away oh. with this race. Wait, in traditional politics, he would? I, why? Because he can't he, he can't he speak back. a sentence correctly. He, he held a gun to his wife's head in traditional politics. He wouldn't even have gotten the nomination. But he's a celebrity. Yeah, I mean, that, that that it just I feel like, you know, I go back to my grandmother who was a diehard Democrat and she she talked about Reagan and she said, you know, the guy is I don't agree with anything he says, but he could rest his shoes under my bed any day. I get that. But all right, let me let me pitch you a different point of view. I think it has a lot more to do with the gubernatorial race and the down ballots, because Dr. Oz is a big celebrity. But in his state, the Democrat for governor is heavily favored, whereas Herschel Walker is a celebrity. But in his state, the Republican for governor is heavily favored. Wouldn't that have more of an impact? Well, that is, you know, that that is that, again, makes it a fascinating race. I agree. Because. Kemp is completely outpolling Stacey Abrams, you know, by a significant margin. Yet the Warnock Walker race is so close. Um, yeah. In Pennsylvania, the governor, the Democratic candidate, is far outpolling the Republican candidate, and mm -hmm. that race is still relatively close. But Fetterman seems to be pulling ahead. Brilliant, Maury Blackman. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You always make me see things from a different point of view. Come back and join us, and let's uh, let's talk about our notes after the election, please. Hopefully, thank you, John. Brilliant. Have a great evening. Good luck surviving the next six days, sir. <laughs> We're going to take a a very quick break, and then when we come back, it's going to be open phones for the rest of the night, all the way until midnight on the East Coast, nine p.m. on the Pacific. We are at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. This is progress. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. Dan in Manhattan, thank you for your patience. Oh, thank you very much. You know, it couldn't be the perfect time. So this guy's throwing rocks at people's houses, and that's not violence. And Wait, who's, who's, throwing rocks at who's throwing rocks at people's houses? The guy that just well, called? The guy, who, the, guy, the guy just called is recommended throwing rocks. No, he was talking. He, that, the guy who just called is legally blind, and he wasn't really calling for violence. Yeah, so yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, you know, he took it back. Oh, please. He took it back. Let's Come on. Call, you didn't call. You didn't call about, about him. Almost to me. Oh, you're so, you're so, you're so, you're so hurt, you snowflake. 
Okay, okay Snowflake, the big lie. States, like states of Pennsylvania, are you still there or did you hide? I'm here. No, no, I'm hide. I'm, okay. Listen, hang so on a second. Dan, 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 wait, Dan, one second, Dan. I'm yes. not your enemy. You're going to talk okay? over me. And not let Dan, I'm not your enemy. Okay? Let's try and have a civil conversation like men. Go ahead. Okay. The state of Pennsylvania's constitution states you cannot alter the election within 281 days of the election. The governor had no right to accept or change the election, how it was cast, and how the election was mailed in or not. That was all illegal. And what did the governor Trump change, Dan? The, what did the governor change, Dan? What did he change? He signed the bill so that they could take in late the, the, the uh, mail-in ballots. It's all illegal. That was illegal. Every, there were no... Trump the, went to court, the ballots were legal. There were no... There was, are you trying to say people voted illegally? Yeah, Absolutely. how'd that go with Trump going to court? Did Trump have a lawsuit? And the, the, the judge said he did not have standing in the state. So when he went to the, the, the went to the United States uh, Supreme Court, they said, "Well, you do have standing. Go back and argue with them." But the state, the, the, the Democrats, did not want to give him time. They wanted to get the, the, the electoral college voted so that they could they could make Joe bring that Biden the president. Okay. Um, that's what happened. And that's the why judge, the, the judge in Pennsylvania that law. threw out Donald Trump's case said that Trump was trying to disenfranchise almost seven million voters. Donald Trump had over sixty cases thrown out of court, yeah, some with extreme he, prejudice. He can say whatever he wants to say, but his legal opinion was: he told the Trump lawyers that the Trump, Donald Trump, did not have standing to make the case in the state of Pennsylvania. That's the legal. That was the legal definition. What you're saying now, he may have wrote that in his proxy, but that's not what he claimed. I'm when telling Donald you exactly went to the what Court, the judge said at the time. The judge said, in the United States of America, this cannot justify the disenfranchisement of a single voter, let alone all the voters of its sixth most populated you state. You the state. That's not what Donald Trump went there for. Donald Trump went to court. This is a simple fact. The state of Pennsylvania has laws. The laws say you want to change it, you got to get two-thirds vote of the state Senate. That's not what the governor did. The governor just signed the law, signed the bill, saying that he'll accept all these late mail-in ballots. But even the federal no appeals right court, the federal appeals court rejected that as well and said the what case had no appeal? merit. What federal appeal court? Another bunch of clowns put in by Obama and Clinton. How do you know Another this? Anyone you, so anyone, anyone that disagrees you know with you is true. corrupt. Listen, it's Donald true. Trump... Donald Trump had 60 cases thrown out of court. Rudy Giuliani, in the Pennsylvania case, I... No, actually, I hate to yell at you, it was 61 cases, and they were all thrown out on the same thing. They all said the same thing, the same lie. He didn't have standing. Rudy Giuliani said that the state of Pennsylvania acted unlawfully because some counties allowed voters to fix their mail-in ballots if they had deficiencies, but other ca- other counties did not. That was thrown out because, and Trump asked the appeals court to let them amend their original lawsuit and have an injunction to undo Pennsylvania's certification. They threw everything at the wall. The court of appeals threw it out three to nothing. They, they had no case in it. Listen, Donald Trump lost the election. He lost the election and he can't stop lying about it. And you're too good a person to defend this bullshit. Listen, you know what? I want to tell you something. When I put on Channel 2, 4 and 7 and I see my city burning and the, and the news guys telling me this is a predominantly peaceful riot. I mean, March. 
I live in Manhattan, too. When was our city burning? Hang on a second. I live in the same city as you. When was our city burning, exactly? Uh, uh, Two two weeks before the election, when people were boarding up Manhattan, because they they knew Donald Trump was going to win. They were boarding up Manhattan. Come on. No. And they were that, having their marches. They were, people were terrified of violence. Yeah, people were terrified of violence. And by the way, there was violence. Donald Trump made sure there was a terrorist attack against well, our capital. And for the first time in our nation's history, America did oh, not have a peaceful that. transfer of power. And, 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 Dan, and Dan, 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 listen, Indian, I know you like Donald Trump a lot. What facts do you have? Dan, I know you like... People talking about... Because this is the only... They gave him a trial... And in this trial... Gave who a trial? Women, were, gave who a trial? What are you did, talking about? Didn't they just give him his third or a second... Uh, who? Uh, who got ahead of trial? What are you talking God. about? Who? Didn't they just try to impeach him again? They, they, they got these hearings. Uh, I apologize. I meant to say hearings. They had these okay. hearings where the, Repo- the Democrats pick who the Republicans put on the board, and then they turn around, and they don't let you bring in any evidence... And That's not true. This country now, That's not true. That's a lie. Now, okay, listen, you're, you're lying now. Republicans did not answer subpoenas. You can't you can't have you can't cheer these guys for shitting on congressional subpoenas and then turn around and say that they weren't allowed to bring in evidence. Come on, Donald Trump can't stop lying, and you know it. He lied. To, he stole from vets for God's sakes. You guys are too smart for this. Let's go to our friend Rob in Orlando. Hi, Rob. Oh, you Hi, don't Rob. like me, Chris? I don't like you either. So. Uh, Rob, Johnny, why do you do this? Why, what, 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 what can I do for you, sir? It's okay. He said something mean to me, so it's okay. Oh, um, wow, another snowflake. Rob, meanness doesn't bother you. Go ahead. Rob, I'm listening. Go ahead. I'm not your enemy. You're welcome here. Thank you. If you get rid of the Electoral College, uh, you, you advocate for one person, one vote. Yeah, what, what I do. do, do about, what do you do about states like California that I, I don't know how many people... They have, but let's just say conservatively, they have 30 million people that live there. Probably yeah. way more. And, and votes in Wyoming have three times, and vote, voters in Wyoming have three times as much power as voters in California okay. because of the Electoral College. So, yes, because they don't want people in California dictating what someone in Wyoming. So Wyoming should dictate what people in California, right? Wyoming should do it, right? Wyoming should get to decide for for California, the fourth largest economy in the world, and Wyoming should have more power than them. This is what I'm advocating for. You want to, let's just say you get rid of the electoral college. Yeah. What are you going to do about senators? Does California get more because they have more people? No, it's still two per state. Two per state. Oh, so you just want to get rid of the electoral college. The Electoral College allows a small number of states to have way too much power in the outcome of our elections. Yeah, the Republican Party has lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight elections, and yet we've still had Republicans in office. Each state gets electors based on their representation in the House and Senate, and that means the smaller states get extra votes. Why should Wyoming have almost four times the power of people in California? That's that's just insane in terms of what we stand for as a democracy. Yeah, but California gets 55 electoral votes. But Wyoming, right, but the Electoral College doesn't represent the will of the American people. Yes, it does. It, it keeps it. It, it doesn't. Keeps, the American people have the American rule. people did not want George rule. W. Bush or Donald Trump to become president. They got there because of the Electoral College. 
Swing states have way too much power. And also, also, if I may, if I may, the Electoral College makes it impossible for a third party candidate to ever win a presidential election. Why should half a dozen? Why, why should Colorado and Florida and North Carolina and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Virginia be the only states to decide who the president is? Well, then why, why is it that a Democrat can win with 17 states, but the other 33 have to be have to be Republican? You do realize that, right, that a Democrat can become president with 17 states winning. If it's the majority of voters, that's democracy. If more people are in 17 states than live in the other 33, states don't vote. People do. States don't vote. You're arguing for anti-democracy. Here comes Johnny Semantics all of a sudden. Yeah, but we are not a true democracy. We are a constitutional republic. We're a democracy in all the states. You're a democracy in your state and local elections. It's only president. And by yeah, the way, this Andrew Jackson and Samuel Tilden both won the popular vote, and they, they didn't get into the White House. Grover yeah. Cleveland, George Bush. Checks and balances. That's why. <laughs> right, but then you've also got the problem of rogue electors. What Trump tried to do was so corrupt, and they're going to try to do it again. The Electoral College. What? Trump has nothing to do with this. Trump has nothing to do with this conversation. No, what I'm saying, another argument against the Electoral College is the possibility of these faithless electors who give a vote to a candidate who didn't win the elector's state. That could hurt Republicans, too. Yes, but if you get rid of the Electoral College, you are advocating for mob rule. You but have mob rule, we have mob rule for every other election except president. We have mob rule for PTA head. We have mob rule for mayor. We have mob rule for senator, for congressman. Come on, it's only the president. Well, yes. It's a bad argument. Yes. No, it's not, because if you now have mob rule... Everyone has mob rule. That's what democracy is. It's the bo- the will of the majority. If you have mob rule, electing yeah. the president, you'll be able to shove through whatever you want. It's like you said. Who's after, you? You mean the majority of voters? Over. What what so you're saying like is you you're, you're giving me arguments for why we should ignore the will of the American people. But Rob, respectfully, the American people did not choose Donald Trump. The Electoral College did. You are arguing against the will of the American people being heard because it favored you. But if it didn't no. favor you, I think you sound like me. No, because it doesn't favor everybody. If the Democrats won fair and square, then, you know, OK. What does that mean? This if is why people. The Electoral College. But this is why people say the votes in the more populated states will count less. They do count less under this. The Electoral College gives way too much power to people who live in swing states. And, and again, it makes it harder for a third party candidate like Lincoln was the first Republican president to ever win the presidency. It's outdated. It does not reflect the will of the American people. It's anti-democratic. But but the people who benefit from it are the ones who argue for it. Again, Rob, I'm, just, a, I'm a fan up, of Americans. I think we should do what the American people want. I got to run, Rob. Are you upset because if they got rid of the Electoral College, mm-hmm. then your state wouldn't be a, a kingmaker anymore? The great state of Florida? Well, no, Florida still has a huge population. But Florida still we'll, we'll end up with we'll end up with civil war. We're not going to have civil war, Rob. Rob, we're not going to have civil war. Well, you sure about that? I think we'll have more terrorism, like January 6th. We'll have more violence. You know, we'll have more individual actors committing violent acts on people. But you're not going to see. You you think there's going to be states seceding from the union? Uh, It's not going to happen. If you have people ramming policies down people's throats, like getting rid of their rights. 
like health like care, nation, like, like a national ban on a, like a national ban on abortion or yeah. Uh, yeah, those kind of policies. What about policies like letting Medicare negotiate for vision, hearing, and dental? What about policies like letting the government negotiate with Medicare for lower drug prices for seniors? It's always stuff that's shoved down your throat when you don't like it, but when it's putting more AR-15s on every street corner, oh no, open wide. That's willingly received down one's hungry gullet. We got to hit a break, Rob. I think we got along pretty well, though, in that conversation. This is Progress. Progress. 